Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. I am so happy to bring to you today's episode with Dr. Elisa Bear, otherwise known as the Car Seat Lady. Elisa is a board-certified pediatrician and also a car safety specialist, which certainly comes in handy when I get asked questions all the time about how to keep kids and dogs safe together inside a car. I hope you enjoy today's episode. My mind was blown, and as soon as we were done recording, I went down to my car and immediately made some changes for how I transport my own dog. I hope you find it just as valuable as I did. Hi, Elisa. I am so happy that you are here to talk with us today about car seat safety with kids and dogs. Thank you for having me. This has been something that's been a long time coming. I've been following your Instagram account, Car Seat Lady, for a very long time because I get asked so many questions all the time by my clients and my social media audience about how on earth to transport kids and dogs at the same time. And I, of course, have one perspective of the dog and child safety side of things where, you know, we can't have dogs and kids together in the backseat where they have unfettered access to each other. But on the other hand, what I'm learning from you is that there's a whole nother car safety side of things that I honestly have been a bit negligent about. So while I'm trying so hard to keep dogs and kids safe together, you're going to add another layer to that so we can keep everyone safe from the car perspective as well. Yeah, so both parts are really important. I'm also a board-certified pediatrician, and so uh, the first aspect which you talked about is really important because dog bites are a serious injury risk to kids, and uh, you know what the child is doing out of play uh, might not be what the dog wants and vice versa. So even if both are friendly by themselves, they cannot be left alone. And having an adult in the front seat does not count as supervision for a dog and a child in the back seat. I love that you said that because parents are constantly taught always supervise your kids and dogs, but nobody really describes what supervision means. And unfortunately, a lot of families think that just physically having your body in the same space, it counts as supervision that, well, I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I can see that my kid isn't poking the dog or that the dog isn't pawing my baby. But what are you going to do? You can't pull over on the side of the freeway to intervene and prevent a bite or something else. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the bite can happen unexpectedly. You might not see what they're doing to each other that incites it. Uh, So it's important that supervision means if if you want a dog and a child next to each other, that the adult is in the back seat with them in that same row where they can visualize the entire interaction and intervene quickly if needed. Or even sit in between them, right? You've got the dog on one side, you've got the kiddo on the other side. Which sometimes works given the setup, but sometimes depending on the car seats that the family has or other reasons, it might be necessary to put the child and dog side by side 
and the adult on the side. Sometimes that will be safer for the adult. Sometimes the adult wouldn't have enough room to fit in that center. So for oh, yeah. various reasons, it might be necessary to have them side by side. But as long as the adult is in the same row uh, and within arm's reach of both, I think that, and, and we'll talk about that the dog is properly restrained. Uh, yes. I think that would that would be a safe interaction right where the child and dog can be next to each other in the car but not when they're when the adult is in a separate row that is not supervision okay that makes sense and it is worth noting i suppose that the adult needs to be like actually paying attention not just on their yes. phone playing candy crush or talking on Correct. you know if it was my husband he'd be on um Reddit, you know, I'm on Facebook, you know, everybody has their thing. <laughs> so, and that you're not so plugged in, you know, to your music that you're not hearing any, I don't know, confrontations that could be going on between other, you know, the kids and the dogs. Yes. I mean, I think this is a general topic of parenting where, you know, you might put your child in a device that says, don't leave them unsupervised. And a lot of times people think, well, just in the next room or, I can still see them, but if you're not watching them, like if your back is turned, but you could see them if you turned around, that's not supervision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that may overwhelm people, right? I mean, I know that this conversation, part of what you and I talked about before we began recording is that we want to acknowledge that this can be hard and this can be overwhelming. And I don't want people to just feel like it's hopeless and there's no way they can actually function or pee or make dinner. I talk about using the toilet all the time. It's kind of absurd, but, but at the end of the day, there are steps that you can take. And I don't want people to just put the brakes on and say, I can't listen anymore because there's no way I can function as a working parent and be quote yes. supervising all the time right correct and there's certain places that you can put a child that they can be unsupervised so any location that is deemed safe for sleep that mm -hmm. is safe for unsupervised leaving a baby mm -hmm. uh, in that when you're sleeping uh, you are by default not no. supervising <laughs> them a monitor does not count while you're sleeping yeah. so uh, if you do ever need to put a child down in an unsupervised way, that's always a good place to go back to the bassinet or the crib. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the floor can be safe, but in families that have uh, pets in the home um, or haven't baby proofed as well as they should, sometimes the floor is not a safe option. So it's knowing where you can leave the child when you mm -hmm. do need to turn your back and know right. that they'll still be in a safe location. I'm a really big fan. I should get commission. So if anyone's listening of baby gates and pens and things of that nature, because you can either contain the child or you can contain the dog. Yes. You know, and I like multiple layers too, yes. because there are some sneaky dogs that can get over those kinds of things, but it is a helpful tool so that you can put somebody on the floor and sort yes. of have a parallel existence. Multiple layers is actually a strong theory within injury prevention. It's the Swiss cheese model, where um, the idea is that you know Swiss cheese has multiple holes. Uh, and so uh, when you're trying to prevent injury, uh, just one step can often, you know, you could find the way to get through that hole. But the more, uh, the more layers you put, the less likely it is that you can make it from one end to the other. So like thinking about, for example, pool safety is another good example where you want multiple layers. You don't want just a pool cover or just a fence 
or just a lock on the door. You want all of them as well as uh, supervision. So uh, it's thinking about how many layers can you have so that if one fails, because you know what, sometimes one does fail, yeah. uh, that the dog figures out how to jump over the gate for the very first time, or your child figures out how to do something for the very first time, that it is still a safe environment and it mm -hmm. doesn't put you by surprise. Right. Okay. So let's dive in and let's talk right. about some different kinds of family what do we say, family structures, dynamics, um, and the types of cars that they may have and how to manage. So um, let's assume also that we need to have in the car, maybe a stroller, a diaper bag, any of the normal kind of accoutrements that a parent with kids has to have, right? So, so let's I'd, go through, yeah. So I'd like to kind of fr frame this discussion to talk about two issues. So one issue is what we've started with, which is making sure that during the drive, not related to crashes, that the child and the dog are both safe from each other. Um, and then the other topic is, if God forbid you're in a crash, how to make sure that the dog and the child and the other humans and pets in the car are all safe. So first, let's start with the second topic, because uh, we're going to cover some basics with that that will help us understand the framework for how we can arrange the pets and the children safely in the car. Sounds so, perfect. Uh, a little bit about crash dynamics. Everything becomes very heavy in a crash. It weighs its usual weight times however many Gs are in the crash, Gs being the force of gravity. A typical 30 mile per hour crash, like they use to crash test your child's car seat, for example, that's gonna have about 20 to 25 Gs. So for example, if you have a 20 pound stroller in the back in a 30 mile per hour crash that has 20 Gs, 20 pound stroller times 20 Gs is 400 pounds. If you have a 60 pound dog times 20 Gs, that's a 1200 pound dog. Oh. So this is why the first rule is that we want every every living creature in the car to be properly restrained uh, in that, one, it keeps them safe during a crash, but two, it also helps keep everyone else safe during a crash. Because studies have looked at what happens if, in a, if you have a person riding in back without a seatbelt. What happens to the other people that have buckled up during a crash? So that might be your kid in the back seat. That might be the driver in the front seat. Those people who did buckle up are up to three times more likely to die in that same crash because the unbuckled person becomes a human missile flying through the car. And where they fly will depend on where you get hit. But often there is a person in their way on their way towards the window or the windshield, etc. So the first rule um, is every living creature gets properly restrained. So for children, that's car seats, and adults, that's seatbelts. So the next thing we need to talk about is how to properly restrain a dog, uh, in that the pet industry is not regulated in the way that the child car seat industry is regulated. Uh, in fact, it's very much like what the child car seat industry was like before 1980, in that before that in the U.S., you did not have to crash test it to sell it as a car seat. You could create a cardboard box with some pretty ribbons, call it a car seat, uh, and it did not have to be a safety restraint. So the dog industry is actually very much like that, where you could 
and you can sell basically any harness you want uh, and say it can be used in the car, but it doesn't have to prove that it can restrain uh, a dog during a crash. Uh, and there's a nonprofit called the Center for Pet Safety, which has crash tested a large number of dog products, uh, the carriers, harnesses, uh, uh, crates, etc., cetera, uh, and found that most of them in crash testing literally just break on impact and send not only the pet flying, but then often whatever device you were using. So especially with the wire crates, now you have pieces of wire crating also flying through the car. Oh, God. So I have a page on my website. So my website is thecarseatlady.com. It's an easy page to remember because it's thecarseatlady.com forward slash pets, P-E-T-S. And that goes over uh, the recommendations from the Center for Pet Safety regarding the devices, the harnesses, carriers, and uh, crates, kennels, whatever you want to call them, that have passed their crash testing. Uh, and been shown in the same 30 mile per hour crash test like your child's car seat gets tested to be able to restrain your pet so that they stay safe and that the humans in your car are also not at risk from your pet flying around. Uh, so for for harnesses, the, the best one I've seen is made by Sleepy Pod. Uh, they make two, uh, they're both called the Click It. Their newer version is the Terrain. That one, I think, has a better body style just in terms of fitting around a dog's chest. Uh, the other advantage I've seen to using that harness, uh, I had a family come over uh, that uh, they were pregnant. They brought their dog over and the dog immediately upon arrival was anxious as anything, whining and just begging for attention and I was thinking we're never going to get through this lesson because the dog is like, pay attention to me. Don't don't do anything else. And so they had come with the sleepy pod harness and uh, we needed to tighten up the harness because just like a child's car seat straps, the harness is not going to be effective if too loose. So I was helping them with that also. And once we got the harness nice and snug and just like dog collars, it's the same thing. One finger, not two sticking away from the body. Uh, that dog calmed down. It was like a thunder shirt. And that dog was so well behaved, the rest of the appointment just chilled out. Uh, and it was a night and day difference. So I mentioned that in that I know that a lot of families will say, my dog is really anxious in the car. I'm nervous about adding this extra thing like a harness. I understand it's safer, but I'm really worried about it. I'm here to say that in my experience with, with many different families, it's often more helpful, not just from the safety perspective, but uh, keeping the dog calm during the car ride. Uh, in addition. So this is so interesting. You know, I, I have learned as a dog trainer, you know, you have to keep the dog contained in the car to prevent the dog. And you can see Pippin, he's a small dog. He's about 16 pounds. He could very easily, if I stop short, even he could very easily be hurtled through the car to the cabin. Yes. He could hit me, he could hit something else. Um, but what I'm hearing you say is that the wrong crate, which I'm embarrassed to confess, but I will confess here publicly because I think people need to know that I am human and I have a lot we, to learn. We're always that, learning. That that the crate that I, I do keep Pippin in a crate in the car. And I, I was, before I learned from you, proud that I have him in a crate. But I am realizing that the crate that I have him in, while it contains him and prevents him from being a projectile, in the car 
wouldn't prevent pieces of the crate from becoming a projectile in the car as well. And that perhaps um, a harness, a sleepy pod harness or something else with a seatbelt um, would be a safer choice and may also help him relax and be calmer at the same time. Yeah. So the other question I get with the harness is, can my dog lay down? And mm-hmm. when the harness is properly adjusted, the dog should be able to sit up or lay down, but should not have any other movement. So you'll notice that uh, the sleepy pod harness is not on. Uh, it's often called a tether. I don't really like that term because tether has specific uh, implications with car seats. But like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think people know what I'm talking about with the dog harness, where there's an extra strap that goes between yes. the seatbelt and the dog's body. Just anytime you're using something like that, the dog will have so much range of motion, both during driving as well as in a crash, that even if the the harness you were using remained intact, the dog would fly way too far to count as being restrained. Interesting. Okay. So I know that I have modified, I have an Amazon list of products Uh that I recommend to people. And um, since learning from your website and reading on your... um, pet page, Uh I have added some of those sleepy pod products. There was a product and I figure we might as well talk about it because I actually have used this. So Kurgo is another brand that has harnesses that have been crash tested. Yes. Um, The way that they work is the, the harness itself has metal rings that are very heavily reinforced in the harness itself. So Uh I don't think they would just easily tear out as if you were using a normal walking harness, that would Mm -hmm. be a disaster. But, but then the way that it works then is then there is a tether um, that has a clip that clips to that metal ring and then either is threaded through the seatbelt or has a seatbelt attachment itself. So it can either click in. Talk to me about your opinions of those because they say they're crash tested and I have used that. And in fact, I have one when we take my husband's truck and we do road trips, mm-hmm. Pippin uses that in the mm-hmm. front um, because he has a hard time being in the back of mm-hmm. the truck. I mean, the back seat yeah. of the truck. Yes. Yeah, I understand. Um, but in, in my car, he's in the back seat in a crate. But I would love a one solution thing instead of different options. Yeah, so in the Center for Pet Safety's crash testing, and they have quite a few of the videos on their site. One thing to understand is when you look at the crash test videos, it's done in a, in a crash test lab where there's no seat in front of you. Uh, so you'll see that when they use those tether type devices that the dogs fly six, eight feet forward, which at that point, that's not restrained in an effective way. So it also means that because uh, during driving, if the dog is effectively restrained on one side, let's say using the sleepy pod harness, um, they cannot usually reach the child who's on the other side. But a dog who's using the tether type device, where they have much more free range of motion, that dog could easily be on one side and cross over from the center seat, uh, from their seat into the center and be directly next to the child. So uh, both for crash safety, you want to be as tight to the vehicle as possible. That's just a general principle of restraint. Uh, That's why our seatbelts are snug to our body. Children's car seats are tight to the vehicle and their straps are snug to their body. And the same thing with the dog. For families who do want to have the dog in a carrier type device, so an enclosed spot, for small dogs, uh, Sleepy Pod, and I should say I have no financial ties or affiliation with Sleepy Pod in any way. Uh, They just happen to make uh, really amazing products that are both 
safe in a crash, as well as I've used many of them myself for my cat, very well designed. Um, and I've seen other families use it with dogs. Um, for small dogs around under about 15 to 20 pounds, it depends on your dog's overall body size. Um, their carriers work great. Some of them are also airline approved um, if you're gonna be flying. Um, and then once you get over that size, if you want the dog in an enclosed space, there's very few options that are safe. Gunner, G-U-N-N-E-R, makes a kennel that is crash tested. However, it's very expensive. I've had families who their profession is to show dogs. And so for them, keeping the show dog separate in the vehicle, not getting into each other, they've invested the thousand or so dollars into these kennels. But I think for an average family, that is not going to be what they're going to look for. Also, it takes up a large amount of room, if not the entire trunk space. So um, that would be something that it's not going to appeal to many families, but it is an option. So I think for most families, both for budget reasons, as well as just the layout of their car, it's going to be best to have a dog who's 20 pounds or up in a harness where that dog needs their own seating position with a seatbelt. So when we were talking in the beginning about how to think about arranging the kids and the dogs in the car, there are some times where a family with their existing car that there's not a safe way to make it work in that if let's say a family has two adults, two children and a dog and they have a car that just has five seats, let's say of a sedan or you know a two row uh, SUV, there's not a there's not a safe way to have the dog restrained in a way that they can't interact with the child or the adults uh, in terms of normal driving uh, and also in a crash. If you're putting the dogs and the kid together, sorry, the dog and the children together in the back seat. So for families who have two kids and one dog and just five seats in their car, if your dog can safely sit in the front seat, meaning that the dog is not a driver distraction, so this is an important point because uh, we do not want you to be more likely to get in a crash from the dog sitting in the front passenger seat. But some dogs are very happy to sit there, lay down, and go to sleep. So if that's your dog, um, then you could put the dog in the front passenger seat and the adult and the two kids in back, and obviously the other adult is the driver. Uh, for families that have three-row vehicles, uh, using one of the seats in the third row is typically going to be where the dog will end up riding. But things to think through, and this can help for families who are also thinking about maybe they have a lease on their car and the lease will be up what new car to get, or a family who's thinking about adding a child or another dog to the family uh, and might be wondering, will this work with our car or should we be looking for a different vehicle as our family grows so things to look for would be, one, do you have enough seatbelts for every living creature? So the dogs and the children and the adults, that's number one. And number two, with all of those living creatures restrained, do you have enough room for all the stuff? So let's say you have uh, an SUV and you want to put a dog in the third row. And maybe your third row, half of it can fold down and half can stay up. So your kids will be in the second row and you'll have a dog in half of the third row. Maybe you don't have enough room for your stroller and your bags to go away for the weekend once you've done that. Maybe you do, but in a lot of cases you don't. 
Uh, so for families to think about, one thing would be instead of looking at a three-row SUV would be to look at a minivan and that the amount of cargo space that you have behind the third row is much greater in a minivan because it's, it's a vertical space because minivans don't have to off-road. You can sink the trunk space down. Whereas in SUVs, if you sink the trunk space down, then as you go off-roading, which I'm sure every family is doing, uh, <laughs> then the undercarriage scrapes on the rocks uh, in this uh, off-roading scenario. Um, one other thing as we're talking about having half the third row folded down for the dog and half, uh, sorry, half up for the dog to sit and half down for cargo is that that does put the dog at risk. I'm not gonna judge people for doing that, but I do not want you doing that if you have children or other humans back there. And that going back to what we had first started with, where everything becomes very heavy in a crash, that 20 pound stroller, yeah. several hundred pounds. And if you have half the third row folded down um, and it next to your child or even just anywhere in the back, that child is now riding in the trunk if you have part of the third row folded down. So if you are using the third row for a human, all of the third row should be up and all your cargo should be behind that, which mm -hmm. I do realize that in many SUVs, you do not have much cargo space at all behind the third row. So these are things to think about as you're buying a vehicle um, and also as you're buying baby gear. So perhaps if you have minimal trunk space behind the third row, maybe you're not gonna bring your huge stroller and maybe you're gonna get one of the strollers that folds really compactly, like a mountain buggy Nano or a baby Zen yo-yo or something. Those will fold small enough to fit in the overhead bin of a plane and to fit behind your third row. Um, and instead of you know larger baby gear, maybe get one of the travel cribs instead of one of the larger pack and play. So you can be wiser with your with your baby gear purchases. Um, if you know that space will be an issue, you can also think about putting a hat on the roof of the car uh, if needed for extra space as well. I was just about to ask you about, you know, it, it's funny, I, I see those a lot and I think, oh, well, I'm a short person. And so yes. I, just from a practical standpoint, like I think I would yes. have a very difficult time even reaching what was in there. But in, in having this conversation, I'm realizing how much value there would be, especially if you have either multiple dogs or multiple children or both in storing something up there. So that again, reducing the chances that whatever objects you would have in your car become projectiles. Yes. Um, I do have a question on what we were talking about. I see, you know, SUVs are very, very popular. Okay. I have my own opinions about them, but I will keep those to yes. myself. I do think there's a purpose. Absolutely. We did have a minivan um, when my kids were little and it was a love-hate relationship. It was kind of like, I can't believe I'm driving a minivan. And then on the other hand, it was, this is the best, most convenient car ever yes. because I can get in on both sides and it's so easy and seats fold. And yes. My kids are older now, so the minivan that I had, it was a Honda Odyssey, and it was it was before even now some of the amazing mm -hmm. features where the seats can hide and yes. create even more space. But I am wondering about, um, I have seen barriers, and I know that there are some that have been uh -huh. tested that um, I guess I would call it a gate, where yes. what it does is it is a divider that separates uh -huh, the yeah. rear space from the back seat. Correct. And I know that some people will choose to have a dog back there because their their rear row is full of children. Yes. So yeah. can you talk about those as another option or if that's even a safe option? 
Yeah, that's a good point. So actually, I had a family just the other day with a Volkswagen Atlas, and they had gotten the cargo, metal cargo divider, whatever, you know, there's many different names, but it's, uh, it kind of looks like the same wire, the square holes, like in a typical dog crate. Uh, And when I looked on Volkswagen's website, it says this is not meant as a safety device. Uh, Um, And it does not restrain things. So, so that's, that is a really important thing for parents to understand, just like many of the pet devices that you see at the pet store that say, use me in a car, they are not required to have any crash testing. Even if you get it from the vehicle manufacturer itself, many of them, including the ones from Volkswagen and Subaru, those are two of the most common ones that I get asked about. Those are not safety devices. They're meant so that the dog, while you're driving, cannot like stick their nose and lick the baby type of thing. But they are not there to hold the dog in the back during hard braking or a crash scenario. The only one that is crash tested that I'm aware of uh, are for Volvos, which they offer for all of their SUVs and their wagons. Um, I also have no financial ties to any car seat manufacturer or vehicle manufacturer, uh, but I will put in a plug that if a family is looking for a three row SUV where they're gonna be using the third row for dogs and the second row for kids, The Volvo XC90, if it's within your budget, which no shame here, it's not within my budget, but if it's within yours, um, that one is an excellent choice and that it's a very roomy second row for fitting three across very well, either three car seats or two car seats plus an adult, whatever you need as the option for a built-in booster in the center. And it has a crash tested divider uh, for separating the second row from the third row. Okay. Um, But otherwise... Uh, It's going to be, so if the family wants to use, let's say the one from Volkswagen or Subaru, that's not a safety restraint, um, you still need to have the dog restrained in a way that can hold them during the crash, which Mm -hmm. your options are very few in terms of things that are effective that way. Okay. That's really good that I, I, in my Amazon shop, well, by the time I produce this podcast, I may have removed it, but I did have one gate in there. Um, It was a brand I was looking at crash test and it was a brand that I believed made. Traval, T-R-A-V-A-L-L. It was. Yeah. So Traval, they are crash tested uh, to a European standard. Um, I don't know that in a severe crash it would hold, but it's definitely going to hold more so than other of the... Okay. So if if the only option in your vehicle is to use a, a metal divider type of thing and you don't have a Volvo, um, then yes, I think the Traval is the best one available. Okay. Um, and it is by vehicle. So when you go to their website, you select the make, model, and year of your vehicle, and they'll tell you if it's available for that and then which okay. one it is. So okay. Um, okay. I do think that that's the yeah. best option for a non-Volvo. Right. But okay. the better option would be uh, to have the pet in a harness as well. Okay. It sounds like I have some shopping to do. <laughs> yeah, we can work together on, on that and yeah. see what- yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's, I think it's good. I, um, 
I am a perfect example of all of my clients really in that you don't know what you don't know. And instead of feeling a little bit like cringy and embarrassed, like I should know better. The fact is that I'm talking to you and asking these questions, yes. right? And yeah, that's the only reason I will know better. Yeah. You will literally not know what you don't know until, yeah. until you're, you learn it. And so I some know. of it is, uh, is doing the research so that you can understand where are there gaps in your knowledge base? And so you're doing exactly right. And I don't want anyone to feel guilty about what they've done in the past. What's yeah. in the past is in the past. All that you can control is what you do uh, in the upcoming trips. And so yeah. just yeah. move forward and do as best as you can. Uh, and you. it might be that right now there's not a perfect solution in your car, uh, but making it better is the first step. Uh, and then planning ahead for when you are able uh, to get a different vehicle, if that's in your family's plans, obviously, whether it's next week or next year or 10 years from now, eventually everyone will end up with a different vehicle. So uh, just thinking about that and making, making a better purchase decision. And one other thing to think about is how will your dog get into the third row and out of it? Because a lot of times when I meet with families, uh, they have an SUV uh, and they're like, well, I'll put my two kids side by side and then I'll just fold down the passenger seat. They show me how that's the one that folds for third row access. Uh, and I'm like, well, that's great in theory, but in the majority of SUVs, even the ones that are very family oriented, when you put two car seats side by side, that one in the center is really pesky when you get it tightly installed and it overlaps just a smidge, like half an inch, an inch, not much, just enough into the passenger seat such that that passenger seat no longer moves and cannot be moved for third row access. Oh. So some of the decision process is, um, am I buying a vehicle where I can preserve third row access uh, while keeping my kids in the, in the second row? Uh, so for families, sometimes they don't want the kids side by side. Uh, you know, maybe your kids fight just as much as the dog and the kids <laughs> might fight more. Uh, I agree. So, uh, or your older child likes to feed your baby, you know, things <laughs> like that uh, require separating the kids. So some of the cars have a feature that allow you to access the third row with the car seat installed. So of the minivans, the Honda Odyssey is far and away my favorite, uh, the 18 and newer models. Um, those in the second row captain's chairs, regardless of how you've installed the car seat, latch or seatbelt, you can still move that vehicle seat to access the third row in that the lower anchors, the tether anchor and the seatbelt are all integrated into the vehicle seat itself. So no matter what installation method you use, that vehicle seat uh, can keep the car seat properly installed and still be moved for third row access while still having three car seats across that middle row. That's really interesting because I'm having flashbacks to when my kids were little and the anchors that we had to use back then were in the floor. Yes. The car, which meant that yeah. you couldn't slide not yeah. ruining your car seat setup. That's right. Great. And so that's, these are things that uh, I, it's a little bit of a shameless plug, but I do also offer virtual consultations to families. And a lot of times families will reach out for, uh, to help understand how they can better arrange the kids and the dogs that they have in their current vehicle, or they're in the market for a new car seat or a new vehicle or both, mm -hmm. uh, and how to make a better purchasing decision uh, such that you don't 
take your vehicle home from the dealership and find that once you get the kids in the car seats in, that you can't get the dog into the third row as you had planned. Right. Uh, so these are things that uh, they're, the dealership is not going to know about. Uh, and it ties in both understanding how the car seats fit in specific vehicles and how the vehicles, uh, what what third row access maneuvers they each offer and which seats might play best uh, with that. So uh, if you have a seat that only moves for third row access when the car seat is installed with latch, then you need to be thinking about which car seats install well with latch in that position, might have a higher capacity uh, than others in terms of all car seats will have a weight limit above which you cannot use the latch system to install them. So being mindful about picking which seats that might have a higher latch weight limit than others so that you don't lose that third row access. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of moving parts, but it is possible it is. Uh, yeah. to do it well. It's a lot to think about. And you know, again, depending on your family structure, you know, yeah. there sometimes you just may have to take two cars, it seems like, because the only way that every living creature gets a seatbelt is sometimes to divide and conquer, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that's okay. an important point that if someone tells you that there's always a safe way to do it, it's not always the truth. Like, uh, there might be a safer way than what you're currently doing, but sometimes there is not a safe way. And I, I try to be honest in a kind way with families that sometimes what they're asking me to do, there is just not a safe way to do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then that, that family then has to make a decision about what they, you know, my goal is to give you information. Uh, so you can choose to take two cars uh, or you could choose to put them all in one car, knowing the risks, and that family can make an educated decision for themselves. Uh, but the key is that they're making an educated decision, uh, weighing the risks and benefits for their family's needs. Right. I can also see that some of these options would also be really useful for multi-dog households as well. Yes. Um, I'm thinking about what you're talking about in terms of um, the safest options have the dog restrained snugly because I am thinking about that tether and I can shorten the tether of course right so depending yeah, but but, but the idea, short, they still have yeah they have a decent the, idea, the idea though that sometimes just like two kids can bicker you can get two dogs that can bicker and again that presents a driver distraction and all these other things that it is really neat though to think oh I could you know, now I'm almost an empty nester, just almost, almost. Um, and the idea that, you know, since I'm not necessarily driving around with two children in the back seat anymore, I could still have two dogs in those, in the seats that my children used to occupy yeah. and that I can have each dog snug in the two side back seats, you know, yeah. one on one side, one on the other, um, without any shenanigans happening during a long drive that would then you know, be dangerous to them or distract me as the driver. So it's interesting to think about. It all applies. Kids and dogs are very similar. I know parents don't yes. like to hear that, but they're unpredictable. They both yes. can act out. They all can have tantrums. Like there's a lot yes. that's very, very similar. So they can't tell you what's wrong, where they hurt. They yes. often hide their pain very well. Yes. Uh, you can tell they're getting better when they start playing again. Like 
there as a pediatrician, yes, dogs. And uh, I mean, especially like if you have a like a crawling baby and a dog and you shake a toy and both of the living creatures don't know which toy is whose, like, yes, dogs and babies are very similar. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it is. Offensive either one of them. <laughs> Well, we love them both. I mean, that's yes, exactly. the thing. You and I both, I love them both. I want to snuggle your baby just as much yes. as I want to snuggle your puppy. Like, I just can't help myself. Which leads me to one thing. When we had talked about why to restrain the pet, I focused on the crash safety benefit. But these are also living creatures. And I want to focus on the other reasons why it's a f important to restrain the dog in a way that's crash worthy, meaning that can hold up in a crash. And that uh, studies have looked at when pets are unrestrained or restrained in something that doesn't hold up in a crash, um, there are certain things that can happen to the pet. The most obvious is that they get hurt in the crash, uh, but also sometimes the pet is either uninjured or partially injured, but in a way that they can still run away. Um, and then your pet runs away because they're scared and freaked out um, and people are not paying attention to the pet first in a crash. You know, you're going to check your child first. No one's going to shame you for doing that. By the time you look, your pet is gone. Um, or a pet that is not restrained and needs medical attention. That pet, you know, when, when we get scared, sometimes we do things that aren't what, so we're not on our best behavior. And a dog can bite when they're scared or in pain. And so people might be leery of getting that dog medical attention as quickly as they need to because they're afraid of getting bitten. And so a dog who is restrained can be much better contained uh, and, and uh, care tended to in a way that keeps the human that's trying to tend to them safe um, and gets the dog the medical attention sooner. I just had a thought and a question. Um, what about airbags and yeah. dogs in different seats? Yes. So we talked about maybe putting the dog in uh -huh. the front seat. If it's a big dog, do we need to turn off the airbag? Or so I know my small dog, I don't think will even trigger the airbag because he's only 16 pounds, but I don't know. Yeah. So it depends on the airbag technology in your front seat. Uh, newer airbag technology uh, will likely turn it off for the lower weight dogs just based on the weight as well as also sensing position. Uh, if the airbag goes off, could it be harmful to the dog? Yes, it could be. Um, I'm, it's, that's just a fact. But sometimes that's the best location for your dog to be rather yeah. than alone with your kids in the back seat. Um, as far as the, the best chance for anyone in front of an airbag is when you are as tightly attached to your seat as possible. So when that dog is harnessed really snugly and not on a tethered type of device, or obviously not unrestrained, they will stay as far away from the airbag um, as you can keep them. So that, okay. uh, is that the best thing for the dog to be in the front passenger seat? No, but it might be the best in your family's vehicle, just given the other setup. Okay. Okay, good. I, I wanted to be... Yeah, no, I think it's important to be transparent about that, that. Like, if it's just one adult and one dog, I would not put the dog in the front passenger seat. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so this suggestion okay. was really speaking to families where you're torn between putting the dog in the back seat in a way that the dog could access children versus switching the adult to be in the back seat with the children and the dog getting the front passenger seat. And there, right. I think that the benefit to the children specifically in terms of 
eliminating the risk of the child being bitten during a car ride. No matter how friendly your dog is, I, it is always a risk. You know, children bite unexpectedly and dogs bite unexpectedly. <laughs> uh, no matter how kind they have been, it can always be a first time. So in that situation, I would recommend okay. uh, that the dog go in the front seat, understanding that it is not the most ideal spot for the dog, but better than the alternative it i think i mean the alternative so at the end of the are, day this is all yes about so balance you can't do safest in your situation so safer is better than doing nothing i like that i think that's a good moral of the story safer i'm writing it down yeah <laughs> okay um, all right. I think that's a really good place for us to wrap this up. There's so much for me to think about. And I think I have some sleepy pod shopping to do <laughs> because I, I do want to do better than I have been doing. And what I have been doing is probably safer than having him loose or whatever else or using just a regular walking harness or anything else which i'm sure would just tear to shreds in an accident um but i would like to do a better job so i have learned a lot in this episode and i'll probably ask for a little bit more feedback yeah. along the way or i'll tell you what i end up doing i'll i'll share pictures and and give you credit for helping me create a better solution so i think that's right. good it's a conversation with the family to help them find the best solution that meets their needs. And there's no one size fits all. Right. I think that's wonderful. Where can people find you? So we're the car seat lady. Uh, don't forget the, the, otherwise it's not us. Oh, okay. um, so our website is thecarseatlady.com. We're on Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel with a lot of installation videos for car seats. And that's the car seat lady with the number one at the end. Okay. And you did say that you do offer consults and I want to yes. promote that because I think that's going to be a valuable resource as well. Yeah. And so on our website uh, at the top, it will say services. And if you click there, it will uh, take you to a brief form to fill out where you'll tell us all about your car, your kids, your car seats, your pets. Uh, and uh, with that information, we'll reach out and uh, we'll have a consultation over the phone. And then we also... Uh, are happy to do a video call where we can help you make sure the car seats are properly installed and uh, help you get the pet harness adjusted properly as well. Excellent. I love this. Thank you, Elisa. I am oh, so happy it. that we got a chance to talk. I know we're going to help so many people. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on the podcast app of your choice. For ongoing support, get on the wait list for the Pooch Parenting Society, where I share training tips, activities, and coaching so families with dogs can live in harmony. By signing up at safekidsanddogs.com, you'll be the first to know when I open registration again for new members.